Welcome to Make a Yacht News Radio, the first and longest running podcast series dedicated to the large yacht industry. Hosted by Diane Byrne, the editor of MegaYachtNews.com, we feature conversations with engaging and inspiring people in yachting, from shipyard CEOs to designers, from yacht managers to young entrepreneurs, and yes, even owners. You'll learn how they got into yachting, how they're building better businesses, and especially how they're helping people like you Get more enjoyment out of the yachting lifestyle. Welcome, everyone. In yachting, there's currently a lot of talk about sustainability, as there should be. Industry stakeholders, yacht managers, owners' representatives, owners themselves, even crew members are all exploring options to ensure that they lessen the environmental impact when it comes to how yachts operate and are enjoyed. But it's not a simple task. Despite an abundance of general information being available for years, really, about emissions, power consumption, and things like that, the superyacht industry has not had an objective way to judge whether some yachts are actually quote unquote greener than others. That's where the Water Revolution Foundation and its industry first yacht environmental transparency index come in. If you are a longtime listener of Mega Yacht News Radio, you may remember that we had Robert Van Tal, the founder of Water Revolution Foundation, on as a guest in 2019. He and his team were actually already working on the Yacht Environmental Transparency Index back then. It now includes an extraordinary amount of information, which has led to the establishment of a benchmark by which existing and in-design superyachts alike can evaluate themselves and even learn to improve. Robert is here to explain how this index came to be and how you can have your yacht evaluated. So, Robert, welcome back to Mega Yacht News Radio. It's good to have you here. Thank you, Diane. It's good to be back. Yeah, I can't believe it's been since 2019. That's crazy how fast that went by. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There was something like COVID uh, disturbing a few things on the on the way. But uh, yep, here absolutely. we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good to have you back. You know, in all these years that I've known you and we've been talking about sustainability, a lot of our conversations have centered around credibility. Um, credibility obviously is really crucial for anything, but particularly for sustainability discussions. Um, understandably, though, I think some people are skeptical. They hear things and they read things that don't actually turn out to be true. So if you were going to sit down with someone who might be one of these skeptics, how would you explain to them in simple terms what Water Revolution Foundation's approaches are um, and how they are, I should say, indeed credible? Well, thanks for raising that important question, because indeed that's very important to emphasize and clarify, and especially also how the tool that we have been co-developing, I should say, because it was a joint industry project, um, stands out in that regard. So um, I'm very happy to to answer that one. It starts with uh, the methodology. Um, if, as long as you, you follow the right uh, scientific methodology, which in our case is life cycle assessment, meaning you always look at the entire life cycle of any component, um, 
then you really make sure you are not just shifting impact from one stage to another in the life cycle, but you really have the complete picture and as such can judge whether a solution is indeed more efficient in the end um, with what the goal is, obviously. So that is one, that is the methodology. Two is data. Um, if you have reliable and direct uh, sources for data, um, you know what you are working with and you are sure that that is the right uh, and basically factual information to base uh, further developments on. Another important factor is uh, support base. So in this project, we had no less than 20 organizations involved, which also cost, let's say that, the delivery of the Yeti 1.0 took maybe slightly longer, but you can therefore uh, assume that it was a very well um, considered process and um, decision tree, so to say. So every crossroad has been considered very well with all experts in the field involved and therefore um, decisions are made and, but also justifiable and transparent. And that last part ties into the next uh, reason of credibility that everything that this uh, index is existing of is transparent. And that is not only for the, the developers, let's say a, a way to, to identify themselves with this uh, end result, but also for the user to, to foster trust and to actually understand the results because uh, that's my last point. The result of Yeti is uh, actually a starting point and not a goal in itself, meaning that the result will uh, open up the discussion on how this score came about, what um, were the items where points were gained or lost, and what are indeed, as you already mentioned, ways to further improve um, the environmental credentials of an existing yacht. So it's really the starting point of further conversation and, and support rather than uh, a tool to only judge. Right. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, along those, those same lines, um, where did the idea start? How, how did you all wrap your brains around where to actually begin creating the index? Well, all those credits uh, are deserved by um, a senior design specialist at uh, FedShip Devolved Naval Architects. His name is Bram Jongepier. He developed uh, uh, the starting point of, of Yeti uh, himself because he was um, frustrated. He, he had worked on a couple of ambitious projects that um, along the way of, of, let's say, negotiation and, and contract negotiate, uh, contact uh, specifications were downgraded. Um, mostly uh, due to cost savings. And he was very much looking for a, a way to visualize the uh, technology developed and, and proposed to showcase next to the cost. And, and also a way that if the client teams have reasons to stripe out some technology due to cost, what that means for the ambition of the project. And he was so certain that this struggle that he had was shared by his industry peers that he uh, organized a, um, a meeting in March 2019, where it was decided, uh, well, first of all, applauded and then decided that um, this project is very much needed 
uh, for the industry to to move further in in the yeah with the topic of sustainability and as such organize it as a joint industry project through the water evolution platform very good so walk us through the process of an owner submitting their yacht to be evaluated by yeti what do they need to provide you with and then in turn what type of report do they receive back yeah, so the the input data is very crucial. Uh, it's it's rather technical though. So, um, but all owners should uh, have this information in their possession. Otherwise, their captain or engineer on board will certainly have this information uh, in their possession. So it's a data input sheet that would need to be completed, and um, that ranges from speed power curves to install power, um, engine types and models. Uh, generator types and models, whether there are batteries on board, uh, if there are any solar panels installed. So basically all the, all that kind of technical information, in addition to the, the YAS general um, uh, parameters like gross tonnage and length. Um, so that allows us to do calculations on uh, two main topics, and uh, three main topics, I should say. One is propulsion. So the underwater ship, the, the the main engines, the propellers, the, that that part that makes the ship move. The second one is on the hotel load. So even if a yacht doesn't move, there is obviously uh, fuel consumption, energy consumption uh, by its hotel load. And then there's also uh, a production of heat. And what happens to that heat? Either you need it for appliances or it's a result of other mechanisms working on board, which is a waste heat. So how is that being dealt with? And that is also important for the determination of the score. So once we have that technical information, our team uh, is running that data through our calculator and we are able to uh, feedback the score. And if the client and the teams want, we can also expand on this score by a feedback report showcasing uh, how this the yacht scores compared to uh, other yacht, other assessed yachts in the fleet, uh, in their size range, that mo makes most uh, sense. Um, it will also come with, as we just discussed, this, this um, analysis of where points were gained and lost and, and also what are the underlying environmental parameters uh, in this score. And indeed, to be constructive to, uh, from our experience and what we have seen, uh, a couple of pointers on where we could further elaborate on and that is on and to meant to uh, improve the environmental credentials of the yacht now i would like to add that the yeti 1.0 scope is uh, fully on the operational efficiency so it looks at how efficient the yacht operates benchmarked on an average operational profile and that is one of the, the, the basically the pillars under our Yeti tool is a complete parallel study based on AAS data uh, to understand what is actually the average operational profile of the fleet. And we see that although yachts are all very unique, uh, and of course the big distinction between motor and, and sailing yachts, that we do see similarities in that average operational profile, which means or what we found is uh, on average, so there, there are always deviations, um, but on average, 10% of the time yachts are cruising. 
um, 33% they spend on anchor and the rest of the time they spend in the marina. So if that's the average profile, then if you benchmark a yacht against that profile, you can really understand how efficient she runs and how she compares to other yachts. That's one of the, the main parts, let's say, uh, of the Yeti tool. You know, that information you just gave about how much time the yachts spend at anchor and how much time they spend at the marina is fascinating because we're always talking about how so many yachts are different. You know, you're a 30 meter is so different from a 50 meter. Even 250 meters can be so different in terms of their design and engineering. But really, the way that everybody's using their yachts is so similar. It's remarkable. It, it makes a lot of sense when you really think about what you see on an average summer day or an average winter day, maybe down in the Caribbean. But I don't think any of us has really stopped too much to think about that. Oh, it, it is crucial. And especially if you want to compare them, because if you separate too much, so also, for instance, sailing from motor yachts, and you, you will only uh, compare sailing yachts with each other, it, it's still not really, um, let's say, a, a full information comparison. So there are, let's say, reasons to separate but also reasons to to all combine uh, these kind of analysis and and in the end if you have the right data you can do all of that and and just determine the level of detail right. so it's a really exciting uh, journey I, I should also emphasize that the collaboration really reached a a new industry standard there was really um such a strong drive for a tool that everybody felt that the industry needs in order to to progress and and continue sort of level playing field in this regard um uh, and to to sort of when this is there further compete um and that was really rewarding and and special and um yeah that that was equally important to the result i i would say well yeah because whenever whenever you're striving to improve even just your own efforts you always need something as the benchmark so without a benchmark you're really just kind of assuming that okay well here's an industry standard or here's the average perhaps among our competitors and therefore we're doing better the same worse but you're really at the end of the day just grasping at straws because you don't truly have the right data yeah well, that data is always a challenge. Uh, we, we also uh, realize that the, the real operational data of, of the fleet of the yachts out there in navigation is, is not always known by, um, for instance, shipyards. So it's very crucial that uh, as a general industry learning that we are really going to track that data because we so need it in order to improve and know, be in tune with, with the yachts. And, and there are organizations in our industry that has that data but it's not centrally organized or or uh, let alone shared uh, with those that need it to to further improve so it's a very logical thing but yeah you need to, to make it happen and and the mindset needs to be like that so also in this group we didn't have uh, data sharing among the participants but there was a, a great willingness to share data with us as central point and we could then analyze it and feed that back with sort of anonymized uh, graphs which was really educational for the group as well. So that all kind of side benefits. Um, for instance, this operational profile, it may, re, it may be a, a gut feeling for many in the industry, but having it statistically proven um, will also help to, to address all kind of product developments uh, and with suppliers, for instance, or 
focus the debate not only on the, the propulsion side with hybrid and diesel electric, but also especially tackle that that hotel load that is on 100% of the time. Because let's say the, the cruising uh, or the propulsion part is then 10%, but the energy um, uh, consumption between propulsion and hotel is, is more or less 50-50. Uh, so that is also already a, a, an interesting and important confirmation on where we should focus on in our efforts to reduce. Right, right, absolutely. So how many yachts are actually in the index in terms of all this data that you've collected? Yeah, throughout the um, the process, we, we ran very um, specific calculations of, of as many varying yachts as possible to, to really have that um, uh, reliability in the, in the results as well. And we are currently having a fleet of 70 yachts assessed that then subsequently uh, function as that reference. So, so when we calculate a new yacht, we can compare it to those 70 um, in the already assessed fleet. So the more yachts we can assess, the more reliable that comparison becomes as well. Okay, and then in terms of the benchmark that you've been able to to create, um, can you share any overall statistics in terms of where there's good news in terms of the fleet and um, where there's room for improvement? You you already we've already talked about the discovery that the yachts are in the marinas most of the time. So clearly, like you were just saying a minute ago, the um, the hotel load consumption is a huge area for improvement but what about what about the other side is there any any i I don't want to say that that was necessarily bad news but is there something that's maybe encouraging in terms of the benchmark uh yes encouraging i I would say is how well yachts are generally designed for um sailing so the the underwater ship the, the the whole layout let's say for for the propulsion side is really advanced so in the Yeti scores, we generally see a very good performance of the propulsion side. Where it yeah, can go south is that hotel load. That is really sometimes through the roof. And we have been checking data um, because we rely on, on the input data, of course, to yeah, really double check and triple check to say, you know, is this really accurate? And yeah, then sometimes we saw that it, it, it is just very high and uh, inefficient. The good news is that it's easier to change um, consumers and, and energy flows of hotel load than changing the underwater ship. So, in that way, uh, there are there are, there is room for improvement, but it's also possible to improve. So that's the good news, and I would say uh, we can, yeah, generally uh, share a compliment for for the underwater ship performance, which is a good sign. It can always further improve i'm sure um not not always are uh, all let's say possibilities explored or there are other reasons for a particular choice but this visualization of um of the performance is probably and hopefully helping to address that and not just skip uh, those kind of topics in um, negotiations or um, or designs you know, one of the things you just said about um, changing behaviors, changing human behaviors, it reminded me of when I was a child, <laughs> my father used to get nuts when the electric bill would come sometimes because the electric bill would be quite high. 
And when my sister and I were teenagers, even even when we were little kids, we were constantly leaving lights on in certain rooms. And he was always running around saying, what are we, friends of the power company? So maybe that's kind of something that's going on on the yachts where, you know, there's there's certain power that does not need to be on all the time. And people just aren't really paying attention to it so much. And that's maybe one of the easiest areas of uh, of improvement in terms of human behavior. Absolutely. And, and that, therefore, that operational data is so crucial to really learn uh, if, if systems were well developed and, and not overpowered or over equipped versus how it's being used. So uh, I think there is so much room for improvement already. Um, of course, there's a lot of uh, debate about alternative fuels to, to actually change the source of energy, which is um, a very promising um, side of, of development. But I think we can make the biggest difference, and it's also a, an obligation, to just reduce the amount of energy that is needed to either propel or, or run uh, the yacht. And that is, let's say, the, the, the key focus. And then, of course, the energy source is, is make, going to make a huge difference as well. But it doesn't mean that, that you can just continue the, the energy consumption as is. And... That also uh, basically is the the opportunity for the supply side of our industry to to come up with smarter technologies, which in their defense then also should be recognized and and promoted, and especially in the Yeti score be translated, um, so people start to see the benefits, uh, and and hopefully we can uh, through market acceptance and adoption really make the Yeti score a sort of new challenge um, for for clients in the end to to showcase what kind of yacht um, they own and, and, and build and in that way reduce the uh, energy consumption and, and therefore impact of the fleet. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this simple indicator with the complex, let's say, calculator behind um, is really helping every actor in the industry from charter agent to designer to shipyard to supplier to really uh, put this focus on improving the environmental credentials of the yachts and and understand what makes the difference and where let's say the the most effective efforts can uh, can focus on mm -hmm. you know in terms of making uh, continuing to allow this to develop and sustainability really to evolve more um, a lot of the discussions overall in yachting, I think, tend to be more on the owners, crews, and and guests side. It's this idea of the hotel load is consuming a lot, the um, the you know the power consumption with the generators, etc. Um, as much as that's important to focus on, like you said a few minutes ago, the suppliers are actually doing some things to try to change the impact overall. So. That makes me think that obviously there are broader educational and transparency opportunities and responsibilities in the industry. So where should companies that are so motivated start with with education and with their own transparency? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I think education and, and collaboration is, is um, in, in my opinion, key because, uh, let's say, there are many suppliers that already have solutions, but they just didn't find the the entrance among decision makers, 
with this solution because there was simply a focus on on other things, I guess. So it's also that this this conversation and, and common focus we need to to introduce in the sector on on this topic um, and collaboration is in my view key to really understand the challenges for let's say party A in the supply chain and and the solutions of party B and how to how to connect those if i can give an example i've i've had many conversations obviously with with uh, for instance interior designers but also interior builders and then i learned that from an interior design with particular choices of material and quantities and shapes, this interior builder had so much waste to get it right of already an exotic material. So for all reasons that you probably now think of, this was this needs improvement and this needs sort of a conversation like, okay, come both at the table and let's discuss this because we shouldn't do more of this. But then there's reluctance with the um, manufacturer because they don't want to, you know, complain or potentially lose another project with this designer. And, but the designer said, why didn't they tell me? Because I was not aware of this. So sometimes our role as, as water evolution is just to be sort of the, the messenger of particular anonymized feedback, uh, if necessary to, to just raise that awareness and, and raise that, that topic and discussion to have. And then already solutions are probably available because it's not always rocket science, but it's just to have, yeah, to, to put an emphasis on, on those kind of topics and opportunities to improve. I'm sure that happens even more than any of us realize too. There are companies that they see a problem and they want to say something, but they're afraid. So they don't say anything and then nothing improves. And then a, a casual conversation that you have with somebody unveils that problem and then so you bring it to the other party. In this case, it was a supplier having the issue. And then you talk to the interior designer and all of a sudden they think, well, why didn't anybody tell us? But <laughs> it's fear. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's fear that keeps so many people from opening their mouths. So the more yeah, that we perhaps. eliminate that reluctance and that fear, then it's going to improve. Yeah, of course, stakes are are high in this industry, so there might be really a, a sort of defensive um, um, atmosphere. But I hope that we can break through that and see the the, the benefits of collaboration and helping each other um, also in less direct stages behind each other in the supply chain. So, for instance, in the design stage, if you can already take into account the refit stage, which is many years, I hope, uh, after after design and delivery of the of the yacht, but we should all be honest that an interior, for instance, could last forever, especially how it is often maintained. But it doesn't because at some point a client may change or owner might change, or the taste changes, and there will be maybe not entirely, but components taken out. If you take that scenario into account when you create and build it probably you make the life of, of the refit company uh, much easier, plus the opportunity to reuse or give a second life to any of those components. So, yeah, it's really a thinking that that's sort of circular and um, helping the, the next uh, sort of partner in the supply chain and throughout the life of the yacht. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of food for thought, that's for sure. 
Robert, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This has been really interesting and enlightening. And like you said, the, the tool, the index is quite technical to a certain degree, but the information that it provides is definitely understandable and usable by uh, by all stakeholders, from the owners to the project managers, shipyards, designers, you name it. Thanks so much. <laughs> My pleasure. And the tool will be continue to be developed. And uh, we have many more projects we work on. So. Um... I'm kindly inviting everyone to familiarize themselves with our organization and projects. Yes, definitely. Yeti 2.0 is uh, is in the works. We know that for sure. So the more people <laughs> who contribute, the better. Wonderful. Absolutely. Those of you who are interested in learning more about Yeti and having your yachts evaluated, you can visit the Water Revolution Foundation's website, which is waterrevolutionfoundation.org. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please share the word on social media. And subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Audible, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. And, of course, to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction, and design, check out our daily updated website, the award-winning MegaYachtNews.com.